Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, brought to you by the OC Church of Christ. Let's dive deep into God's Word, learning new insight and taking a fresh look at the verses that impact our daily lives. We will continue with our study of the Minor Prophets by studying out the book of Obadiah. Here is John Oakes. So let's get into Obadiah. Awesome. All right, are you with me? Sure, although I can't hear you saying that, I'm sure you're with me. Okay, great. Obadiah, shortest book in the Old Testament, uh, one of the shortest books in the Bible. The message is God is in control. It's theodicy, uh, like, like we heard both from Steve and from Greg, that justice will be done. Whether it appears that way or not, justice will be done. God's will ultimately will be done. Does that mean he steals our free will? No. <laughs> That's why his justice needs to roll on like a river. So God rules the nations. God's judgment on, on, on the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people. God will deliver his people. All right. Uh, so uh, basically what it is, it's, it's a short, it's pronouncement of judgment, like, like uh, uh, Steve said, a judgment on Edom. So we have to know a little bit about who Edom is and what's going on. Uh, now, uh, Steve said, we don't know the time frame for uh, Obadiah. I'm not disagreeing with Steve. Uh, I think that it, it certainly uh, the book doesn't help us out there. Uh, it, with Micah, he tells us during the reign of uh, Isaiah, most of the prophets tell us, uh, they give us hints or even direct statements. So Obadiah doesn't tell us exactly. All right. But probably given the actions of uh, Edom to essentially laugh at Israel, at Judah during the time of the destruction of Jerusalem, I would say most likely Obadiah comes from the time post 586 BC when uh, the southern kingdom was destroyed because of the part that Edom took. All right, uh, where's my outline? All right, okay, good. I got these backward. So uh, it's not hard to come up with an outline for Obadiah because there's only uh, 21 verses, but basically the first 16 verses are Edom will be judged and destroyed because of the way she treated God's people. And then the last five verses, uh, Obadiah 17 through 21, deliverance and evil. It's kind of weird. When you're talking about a verse, you always want to say chapter and verse. And so some people say Obadiah 1 verse 14, but I'm not going to say Obadiah 1 verse 14. I'm just going to say Obadiah 14. <laughs> but I don't mean chapter 14. I mean verse 14. It takes a little getting used to these one chapter um, books in the Bible. All right. So here's the historical context. Edom has allied herself with Babylon and uh, taken part in the defeat and destruction of Jerusalem. By the way, it's also possible that the context is um, the uh, 9th century BC, 2 Kings 8, 20 through 22, in the time of Jehoram in the mid-800s BC. Uh, so that's another possibility. In fact, in uh, one of my books, <laughs> it's kind of funny, This, this, uh, the 12 minor prophets here, uh, can you see that? The 12 minor prophets. Uh, and that author says, only the liberals believe 
that the that Obadiah was during the time post um, uh, post exile. All right, so I guess I'm a liberal then. So this guy says it's the time of uh, Jehoram in the mid 1800s BC. Whatever, I'm not going to get involved in that debate. But I, I, there's enough in Obadiah to suggest uh, the things that related to the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. I'm going to I'm going to teach Obadiah as if it comes from that time when uh, Nebuchadnezzar came back to. Uh, uh, Jerusalem for the third time, 606 BC, 597 BC when Ezekiel went into into exile, and then 586 when God says, "Forget it, game over." The thing that Ezekiel prophesied, the complete utter devastation of Jerusalem in 586. Okay, got it. Um, so, what about Edom? What is Edom? Well, it's the it's you who live in the clefts of the rock, Obadiah three. The pride of your heart was deceived you, you who lived in the cleft of the rock. All right, I think I have a map here. No, I don't. Okay, uh, so let's imagine. All right, we got Israel, right? And then we have the Jordan River and the Dead Sea, right? And on the other side, south of the Dead Sea, that's where Edom is. Who is Edom? Well, Edom is Esau. There was always sibling rivalry. So Jacob and Esau were born, correct? And who came out first? Edom. And then came Jacob. But Jacob was grasping the heel, right? All this, of course, is in Genesis 25, 19 through 34. Genesis 27, 1 through 28. Uh, Genesis uh, also uh, through 28, 22. Uh, Genesis 32, 3 through 33, 17. This sibling rivalry. So basically, uh, Edom became the father, I'm sorry, Esau. I've been saying Edom. What I mean is Esau. Who's Edom? Esau, Edom, same thing. So Esau, the older brother who lost his inheritance, he went and founded Edom. So Edom and Israel are literally brothers. So Esau becomes Edom. Jacob becomes Israel. Got it? So, um, so a synonym of Edom is Esau and Taman. As you read Obadiah, you're going to see the word Taman. Uh, Taman was the largest clan of Edom and one of the sons of Esau. So the words Taman, Esau, Edom, those are all the same thing. So Edom and Israel are siblings. And of course, they've always gotten along just great, right? <laughs> well, not exactly. There's a rivalry that goes back literally to the womb, right? And in Obadiah 10 gives you a hint about the sin of Edom, Obadiah 10. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you'll be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. What violence? Well, um, Edom fought at least one battle against Israel in the ninth century. That's why some people say in the time of Jehoram. But it turns out when Nebuchadnezzar came and surrounded the city of Jerusalem, apparently Edom was allied with Babylon. And we'll see later on in, in Obadiah, when, when God's people were taken out into captivity to Babylon, 
the, the people from Edom were there laughing and mocking God's people. And then they were involved in the sacking of the city and the taking of the plunder of the city. Not exactly very good brothers uh, to Israel, to say the least. All right. So Edom had failed to let Israel pass through on their way to the promised land also. So we're here in numbers. So we got we got a lot of bad history here. Uh, Jacob stole the birthright of Esau. Uh, and then Jacob had the little confrontation with Esau there in Genesis uh, 32 and 33. And then uh, when Israel came out of Egypt, they said, could we please pass through Edom on the way to the promised land? And the Edomites said, no way, bud, you got to go around. And I'm telling you, Israel had long memories because that was around 1400 B.C., and now it's like 800 years later, and they still have an attitude about that, all right? There's been a lot of, of, of not getting along there. So what are the sins of Edom? Well, verse 3, the pride of your heart has deceived you. And verse 12, you should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune. So when Israel, when Judah was captured by Nebuchadnezzar, the Edomites, whether their soldiers were actually involved in the taking of the city, we're not sure. But either way, they were there and they were gloating. (laughs) Awesome, man. We've been wanting to take you out for a long time. And basically, they're saying, thank you very much, Nebuchadnezzar, for doing us a favor. For violence against God's people. Verse 10, because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you'll be covered with shame. Standing aloof, verse 11, on the day, on that day you stood aloof while strangers were carried, carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. Again, this is why I think 586 is the correct context because during the ninth century, nothing like this really actually happened. So the bottom line is, Uh, When God's people are being attacked, we cannot stay neutral. Uh, Verse 12 and 13, they were mocking God's people. They were gloating. They took part in the sacking of Jerusalem. Verse 14, you should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives nor hand over their survivors in the day of trouble. So basically what was happening is uh, during the, the attack of Jerusalem, some of the Jews were fleeing the city and the Edomites were capturing them and bringing them over to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. They were being traitors to, to God's people. All right. So what's going to happen to those who are arrogant, to those who oppose God's people, to those who are not uh, humble, who are, who are prideful? Well, what happens is the day of the Lord, right? Verse 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. All you have done, it will be done to you. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return on your own head. And those of us who are unfaithful to God, God will be unfaithful to us in that sense. The day of the Lord, this is a returning theme. You're going to see this in Joel for sure, in Nahum for sure, Zephaniah. Uh, also, uh, the idea of the day of the Lord is introduced in uh, Amos. 
it's here in Obadiah. The day of the Lord, uh, it's um, a day when the kingdom of God comes. The day of the Lord is a day that God comes. And when God comes, is that a good thing? Mm. It kind of depends where you're at with God when he comes. You know what I'm saying? The day of the Lord could be a day of rejoicing or a, or a day of great mourning. So warning, God is coming, O nations, and are you ready for God to come? The day of the Lord is the day that the kingdom of God comes, either in deliverance for God's people or judgment for God's enemies. The day of the Lord is a day of deliverance and it's a day of judgment. It's both. The day of the Lord signifies, in quotes, the moment when Jehovah grasps the reins which he seems to have held slackly before, when the currents of his moral rule, which have been running sluggishly, receive a mysterious quickening, and the Lord's work on earth is at last fully performed. You know, until the the, the rain came down, they were laughing at Noah. You know what I'm saying? But when the rain came down and the doors were shut, that was the day of the Lord, and it was too late. I think about Second Peter chapter 3. It says, you know, they'll be eating and drinking and making merry, but then the day of the Lord will come and it will be too late. The day of the Lord is a day in which Jehovah will manifest himself as God. It's a good day to repent. In fact, probably you ought to repent before the day of the Lord. What do you think? I think so. Do you ever feel insecure when you look at the prosperous, the cool, the sharp, the confident non-Christians. You need to know what their true fate is. We need to understand that. The people who are on the wide road are going to their destruction. Don't be deceived by the appearances of the world. We need to be confident in God because you know what? The day of the Lord is coming. God came at Pentecost, yes? He came at Pentecost primarily to save. But then he came exactly 40 years later. God came again. He came in judgment. The prophecy in Daniel 9 basically says, God, the Messiah will come to Jerusalem and God will destroy the city. But he waited 40 years before he actually did it. And God will come in judgment one more time. It's at, the, it's at the end of time. You know, uh, when Obadiah wrote, it was looking for, bad for Israel right now. But let's get to the good news. The deliverance for God's people. Let's read verse 17 through 21. But, by the way, that's one of my favorite words in the Bible. But. I like it in Ephesians 2. You were dead in your sins, in your transgressions, in which you used to live. But, I love that word but. Because, but, God will deliver his people. The message of Obadiah, 80% judgment, doom, 20% deliverance. But almost always, almost always, the prophets end their message with the message of deliverance. Ezekiel, 
32 chapters of doom, day of the Lord, judgment. But then the last, uh, whatever, 15 chapters, <clears throat> deliverance. The Messiah is coming. And so, you know, after the message of doom, we need a message of deliverance, don't we? All right, I, I, got, I got carried away there. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble. And they, by the way, Esau, Edom, Edom, Taman, same thing. They will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivor from Esau. That's what's going to happen to the wicked. No survivors. Oh, I thought you said this is deliverance. All right, let's get back to deliverance. Whew. All right. People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau. People from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They'll occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria. And Benjamin will possess Gilead. The company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Shepharad will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mounts of Esau. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. Let's end Obadiah with that message. The kingdom of God will be handed over to the Lamb of God. God will be with his people forever. So that's the message of Obadiah. Thank you, John Oaks. And thank you all for listening to Deeper Dive by the OC Church of Christ. If you want to get connected to us or want to donate to the program, go to our website, occhurchofchrist.com or through social media at the OC Church. Join us next time as we continue our deeper dive into the minor prophets.